Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, good day everybody and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast around 10 of the 2022 AFL season. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie. I'm going to be running you through things as always today. There's a stack of stack of Supercoach stuff to talk about um, and joining me as always are two of the best in the business. To the left of my podcast dial, I have Stevie Nico. Coach of Lovsky FC, overall runner-up in 2021. Nico, how are things? How was the train ride home this afternoon? Hey, Eddie. Yeah, no, all good. I managed to uh, sneak out a little bit earlier. So, um, yeah, had a little bit of, of time up my sleeve before we hit the record button. Um, but, yeah, glad to be here and, and talk super coach. Fantastic. And how was your week overall last week? How did you fare? Yeah, I did all right. I thought I did better than what I did. I think I was looking at the projected scores or something at the uh, after the last game and I'm um, yeah, unfortunately, I had um, Oliver Captain, which didn't go great, but um, yeah, still scored okay. So yeah, I think the team's shaping up pretty nicely. Fantastic. And to the right of my podcast style, I've got the ever-present Twitter presence that is the SC Bandit. Bandit, how are you traveling this Monday afternoon? G'day, boys. I'm, I'm going well. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting week for, for Supercoach. It doesn't seem like we get a, a standard week at the moment. There's always something that comes out of left field and uh, presents itself as a bit of an issue to talk about for the week. So, yeah, looking forward to, to diving into it. Fantastic. Well, this is the point of the podcast that um, I like to hear how you guys have been going, how your weeks went, what you scored, um, who your heroes and villains are. So I'm going to chuck it first to you, Bandit. Uh, run us through where you're sitting, where you were for the week, where you are overall, and, yeah, what your general thoughts are on your team as it stands currently. Yeah, so I scored 2-1-9-6 uh, in the week just gone, which was pretty much a bang on uh, a pass score from for where I was in the rankings. I think I dropped about 400 spots or thereabouts. So sitting just uh, around the 13,000 mark at the moment, which isn't too bad. There's probably a few trades um, over the last couple of weeks that I'd like to have my time over again on. I'm sure we can discuss those um, as we go. But uh, yeah, in terms of Heroes and villains for the week. Um, my primo hero was uh, was James Sicily. Um, outside of George Hewitt, he's probably been the best defensive pick you could have you could have had at the start of the season. He's averaging 115 to to this point and nearly touching 600k, which is pretty rare for for defenders this year, as we've as we've seen. Um, and more pleasingly, his performance doesn't seem to be well, his, his super coach performance doesn't seem to be impacted by by Hawthorne's performance as a team. Um, they're, they're dropping off at the moment, so. Um, yeah, as long as he can keep scoring well, then then happy days. Um, and for the villain, I don't like potting guys who get crook midweek. There's obviously been been quite a few of them to start the season with. with the oh, you're going to do it anyway, Bandit. You're going to pot him I'm away. Gonna do it. I'm going to do it anyway, Eddie. You're right. Um, I traded in Scott Penderbury last week for for George Hewitt um, as a bit of a bit of a hail mary to try and make up some ground in the rankings. And uh, yeah, his ill timed sniffles have meant that um, yeah, there hasn't been a Hasn't been a fruitful exercise for me, unfortunately. Oh, um, I had to play, play Sandy Coning on field instead. So dropped to one twenty as well. Oh, gee. Yeah, yeah, yeah it hasn't really it hasn't really worked out. Um, I, I I formulated a scenario in my mind where I thought that that could be a really really savvy ploy and, and get me up the rankings a bit, but yeah, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out, and I'm going to have to probably uh, trade Hewitt back in it at some point, which is going to which is gonna sting. But anyway, we, we live and we learn, and that's what Supercoach is for. It's to uh, yeah, try and get an edge on, on the competition. And uh, yeah, 
and unfortunately hasn't uh, worked out on, on this occasion. Very magnanimous of you, Bandit. Um, I asked Nico this last week, and I, I think it's worth throwing to you as well. As the sort of season goes on, our sort of goals and, and aspirations for the season change a bit. So in terms of where you are currently, sitting 13,000, what's, what's the absolute gold standard for you from here for the rest of the season? Where do you want to finish up? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I reckon if I could get into the top 5,000, that would be a really good effort. Um, probably more realistically would be to try and get back into the top 10,000 and just get as and just get as high as I can. But, yeah, you know, if I could get into the top 5,000 from here, I think that would be a, a pretty good result. Uh, Nico, how about you? How was your week? Uh, run us through Lovsky FC. You mentioned you were at one point thinking you are on track for 2,400. Um, didn't quite get there, <laughs> but where did you finish up? No, I finished on 2266. Um, so that was um, a bit over par. Um, climbed the ranks by 3,700 spots. And, nice. Uh, I finished the round at, um, at the high 13K mark. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely, you know, moving in the right direction. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, my team's looking all right. Um, so just, yeah, slowly uh, improving the side and, and getting r- rid of these rookies that are, that are on field and, and getting you know, some more premiums in. So my uh, hero and um, debut for, for my side was Rory Laird, who mm. went and put up a one four two. So I'm um, very, very happy with that. Spearing, I didn't um, put the C on him. I did have a, uh, a flirting moment there where I was like, well, oh, maybe Laird would be a good option. But, um, yeah, I went with Oliver. Um, but the villain for me um, comes from the same side as Oliver, and that's Max Gorn. So 73, obviously not what um, us owners are looking for. I know he's coming off a, a bit of a knock, um, but yeah, up against uh, a West Coast side, we um, we expected a bit more than that. Just glad I didn't put the C on him, and I actually went Oliver and you know grabbed another twenty odd points. I was very happy to see Gorn struggling yet again. Um, that's been a <clears throat> nice little point of difference for me. The wits over Gorn decision. Um, I scored two two eight one for the round, which seems to be about exact on uh, par for where I am. So. Yeah, moved up 90 spots, up to 1,104 overall, um, 15 points off the top 1,000. So I made up eight points in the top 1,000 um, from last week. So, yeah, small positives there, moving uh, up the ranks slowly but surely. Uh, hero for me was uh, Callum Mills. He looked just unstoppable again. I was having a look today. I think he had something like 36 touches, 11 tackles, six marks or something. Um, he is just um, a very smooth mover, but he's not afraid to get down and dirty as well. So... Very happy with him. And Braden Proust was the other one that I really enjoyed his work. Uh, he, I'm going to put him as a primo now. I think it's almost official that he's a he's a ruck primo. So he was great. We, there was a bit of a worry about his shoulder um, or his arm or something. He looked a bit sore, but played through that. And then the villain, yeah, you speak of trades you wish you could take back, Bandit. Um, Dylan Moore two weeks ago is looking like a horrific call. Uh, he's gone 76 and then 56 last week. Break even of 163. Uh, that's looking at might like it might need a corrective trade at some point, so that's unfortunate. But uh, overall, things are positive over in the land of Eddie's Eagles. Uh, in terms of your rookies, Bandit, how did you go this week? Who was your who was your standout, and who kind of let you down with your your on field rooks? Yeah, so I'm going to go very Carlton centric for for this bit. So uh, rookie hero was was Corey Durden. I thought he played a really good game against GWS uh, on Sunday for 76 uh, Super Coach points. Um, that's actually pushed that 14 that he scored a few weeks back out of his price cycle. So um, great timing there. His break Evans back to about six, I think it is. So uh, yeah, he should make some good money for us leading into 
leading into the buy. So that was a, a, a bit of a tick there. Um, and the villain was uh, Jack Carroll, unfortunately. I managed to dodge the uh, Morris Rowley score, but Jack Carroll didn't fare much better. He scored 28 um, against the Giants on, on Sunday. So fingers crossed um, Voss hopefully sticks with him for a couple more weeks. I think Voss has shown that, um, you know, he does like to give these guys, um, you know, a month or so at the level just to find their feet and, and, um, and perform. So, Fingers crossed he, he stays in the team. Um, but while I'm on my, Michael Voss, he cops it as well for playing Patrick Cripps in the ruck. You don't take a Ferrari off-roading, Vossy. Come on, mate. Get Cripps out of the ruck. Great. Very, good. As well. Very good, Bandit. Um, I actually – I've got a bit of a rogue one. I, like I had decided prior to the round that um, if Hobbs scored okay, I was going to loop him on field and, and wait to get Clark for next week and bring in Carroll and play him on the bench. Uh, and Hobbs pumped out a 75 uh, against the Swans on Saturday night, which I was very happy with. Took that as the loop, brought in Carroll, um, frees me up this week to get Clark in as well. So Ben Hobbs, fantastic. That's two back-to-back really, really good performances. I think his break-even's well into the negatives now. Um, and then, yeah, this the uh, the forward line bench is looking horrific at the moment with uh, Rioli and Curtis sitting on there. So I'm not too happy with those. Both of those guys have got creeping break-evens. Uh, Rioli, his seven, um, was one we might get to discuss a bit later, but... Yeah, that's a concern. Um, you don't see many players bouncing back particularly well after a seven. Um, we hope he gets a chance in the Dreamtime game this week. I'm sure he will, uh, but it's not great signs. How about you, Nico? Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple out there. For the hero, um, I think I'm still classifying this guy as a, as a rookie. Will Brody, 121, brilliant on field. Probably probably primo status um, and keeper status at the moment, to be honest. Um, obviously, we'll see when five comes back. Um the other one I want to throw a special mention out to was SDK, who got a 69. So I had him on field. I had the genius idea of looping Nick Dacos when I heard that he was going to play forward from fly, and that turned out to be just complete uh, nonsense and, and um, <laughs> trash talk. So he played full-time defense and was taking kickouts, so I was spewing when I saw that. But um, they both scored 69, and, and by playing SDK on the field, I, I had that cover um, in case Hewitt was laid out. So that was... That was important for my side. Um, and, yeah, I've got Morris Rioli here with the seven, just killing all kinds of cash generation on the bench and looking uh, very, very ordinary in, in the mids um, at the moment. Lovsky FC, we've got McDonald, Rioli, and Owens uh, on the line. So oh, that's um, pretty thin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to it later, Nico, but uh, you chucked a few downgrade options at us today because you need some cash. And, yeah, they weren't particularly inspiring. So we're going to have to do... Some serious dissecting of Lovsky FC at some point today, I think. Um, now, boys, the uh, SC Playbook podcast is proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. Whether you're a local or living in the state, looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your refinance, give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Lads, um, as always, at this time of the podcast, we like to go through a few of the big Issues facing super coaches this week. Um, everyone's generally in the same boat when it comes to a few of these big issues. So hopefully we're hitting on a few topics that are relevant for all of you super coach out coach, super coaches out there. The first one I'm sure is relevant to a lot of people, uh, and it's Jack Steele. Now Steele subluxed his shoulder. Uh, I think in the second quarter of their game against Geelong on the weekend, he played out the game. Didn't look right. Uh, to no one's surprise. It's come out over the weekend that he's going to be out for at least the next six weeks, maybe up to eight weeks. I think that makes him a consensus trade-out. Um, does any of you want to make the case to keep him or are we are going to move right on for that one? No. no Hit that trade button. Yeah, yeah he's a trade-out. Trade. <clears throat> so 
what I want to post to you guys, what I've asked you to come up with pre-podcast, um, I want one sort of safe option that you kind of like the look of that you think is a it's just an easy bet, one that's going to maintain your spot in the rankings. You're probably not going to lose any ground on anyone. Um, it feels safe. And then I want you to go one sort of wild point of difference that is for someone who's in the sort of 15 to 20K range, uh, is going to help you rise up the rankings. So, Nico, I'm going to start with you. Um, who is your safe trade-out option for Jack Steele? Yeah, so look, I've, I hope you don't mind here, but I've gone a little bit rogue, so I'm going to have quite a few options because it's all very team-dependent. Obviously, I don't know who's got who. Um, so I'm going to just go, if you've got 30K in the bank, um, you can go up to a Laird or a Miller if you don't have either of those two guys. So I think that's they're pretty safe plays, very safe plays, actually. Um, if you've got 20K in the bank, you can go to a Parish or a Walsh. I think, again, pretty safe plays. If you don't have any money like me, I've got $0 at the moment, um, you, but I don't have steel, so that's a win. Um, you can go Bont, Petrarca, or uh, Josh Kelly as a, a little bit of a point of difference. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Obviously, yeah, each team's unique, so depending on, on who you've got. Yeah, well, let's go through a few of those in, in a bit more depth. I think Josh Kelly's a really interesting one. Um, pumped out, I think, a 156 or 160 on the weekend. Uh, looked supreme. Do we do we have any concerns about what is going to happen at GWS? So we're obviously going through a change in um, in structure over there with the co- new coach coming in. Um, they're going to be, I think it's Jared McVeigh's the caretaker coach for the rest of the year. So we're a little bit unsure there. Bandit, is that a reason enough to steer away from Kelly or is that, you know, Nico, as you often say, chaos is a ladder. So is there a chance to jump on Kelly while he's perhaps underpriced? Yeah, I think you could definitely make a case for him. I think of all the Giants players um, that are super coach relevant, he's probably the one that I'm least concerned about. Um, you know, he's always shown that he's had a, a pretty high ceiling and when he's when he's fit, um, that consistency is usually there. So, um, yeah, of, of the Giants players, he's actually probably the one that I'd be most inclined to have a look at uh, as a trade-in option, especially if you're looking as a, at a steel replacement. Um, yeah, like he's always good for... You know, a couple of um, 150 scores every season, and he's already had a couple of those this year. So, um, yeah, he's definitely someone worth worth considering for sure. Nico, you brought in Rory Laird last week. Obviously, you were pretty happy with his performance on the weekend. Um, make the quick case to me as to why you did bring him in last week and why he should be close to the top of the list for people looking at a steel replacement this week. Yeah, so I was um, obviously shopping in that price range, and um, he fitted my buy structure really, really well, and. He scored a 120 coming off illness and, and judging, you know, by this year, people who have been sick have generally scored pretty poorly the week um, that week. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, and I think he's just – he's floor. Um, he's a magnet. Uh, he gets the ball a lot um, and he's clean and he uses it well. So, yeah, um, and obviously team performance doesn't, you know, have any issue, um, you know, scoring big when they lose big. So, yeah, I think he's a safe play. That's an interesting point you touch on around, around the buys because that's something that's becoming more and more relevant for people as we get closer and closer to them. The Crows have that round 13 buy, uh, which makes them quite an attractive prospect, a few of their players. You obviously, at this point, I'm guessing most people are trying to avoid uh, people with the round 12 buy. That seems to be a pretty common uh, thing around players. You, you don't want to have too many people missing in round 12. You want as many as possible. Nico, you've been on that from the start. Bandit. Is that some? Is the buy factor something that really should be uh, at, the, at the forefront of your mind when looking to bring in one of these primo mids? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something that I'm starting to factor into my thinking already. And even over the last couple of weeks as well, I've um, come up with a little bit of a spreadsheet to sort of track um, how my squad's looking um, as we head sort of closer to the buys and which, which guys I'll have available and which guys I won't. So um, that's a really good way, I think, to be able to sort of track, you know, who you'll have available um, over over the course of which round, I'm sure we can touch on that later as well. But um, yeah, absolutely, that's that's definitely something I'm thinking about, particularly with with trading this week. So that might be a potential black mark against Josh Kelly. The Giants have that round twelve buy. So if you are starting with a few, you know, if you've got Paddy Cripps in the midfield, you have got George Hewitt in defence, you got Zach Butters in the in your forward line. Uh, you may want to avoid the sort of GWS option. Um, in terms of other guys, Petrarca, you've been right on him since the start, Bandit. So you would have been tracking his pro- his progress more than most. Nico mentioned him as an option. Uh, what do you make of his uh, his ability to to be a primo mid from here on out? Yeah, so he's um, he's the one that I've earmarked as a as a steel replacement for those who who don't have him. I've I've had him since day dot, so um, that's a, a plus for me. But yeah, I think I think he's a no brainer as a steel replacement if if you haven't got him at, at this point. You know, paying paying five hundred and seventy eight k for. Um, the guy who's currently the sixth highest uh, scoring midfielder in the competition is is great value. Um, I wouldn't expect him to get any cheaper in the short term either, given Melbourne play uh, the Kangaroos this week. So I think he's a logical um, swap for Steel, um, provided he fits your buy structure. I think Melbourne are one of those teams who has um, the round twelve buy as well potentially. So uh, uh, round fourteen, I think. Oh, round fourteen actually. So yeah, that yeah. is that is actually probably a, a sticky one as well. Um, there's a lot of other popular super coach teams right. who, who have that round 14 buy. So um, you'd probably need to just break out the spreadsheet and make sure that that doesn't sort of um, overbalance your structure too much for, for round 14. But yeah, if you haven't got him, I think five, 578k is a, is a bargain. Personally, I'm leaning to mo- at the moment towards Rory Laird, um, largely because of that buy structure. But I also think that he is genuinely uh, potentially one of the top five, top three midfielders going forward. His role is elite and like um like mills importantly he tackles i think he had another 10 tackles on the weekend um he's a superb ball user he doesn't make mistakes uh i really really like the look of rory laird but i do want you to try and talk me out of it nico because i'm sitting 1100th at the moment um a point of difference mid from here could make a huge um impact on my sort of prospects of making the top 500 or higher which of the sort of point of difference guys can you talk me into uh, are you including Laird in that, or are you uh, excluding Laird? I want something. Right. I want someone more rogue, Nico. Oh, all right, I see what you, I see what you're doing here. All right, uh, McCluggage. I don't mind McCluggage as a, as an option. So, um, yeah, if you're going to go, you know that that just you know out of the pack, um, something that's going to just boost you up the rankings. He's got a three round average of 117. Didn't hit the ton on the weekend, um, but you know he's playing in a good side, um, getting plenty of ball, and um, yeah, I think. They're going to be pretty pretty safe for um, for a lot more wins in the back half of the year, so he should continue to score pretty well. I like it. That's on the radar. Bandit, you've got a few little options there. I saw you spruiked one in our chat today. Uh, who else have you got me? Who else have you got for me to try and convince me into? Yeah, so the main one I had um, when I was sort of doing research for the for the pod straight off the bat was was Ollie Wines. Um, he went massive last week against North Melbourne, 155 super coach points. So you probably take that with a, a grain of salt, having played having played North. But you know, if Portland are crowbar their way back into the back into the season, he's going to have to have a pretty big say in how they in how they perform. So um, you know, he's already had a, a bit of a price rise on the back of that 155. But I think he's definitely worth thinking about 
um, as we head towards the uh, the back end of the season. Um, and you can actually make money off off trading steel to wine, so you could potentially reinvest that um, sort of fifty k that you'd make off off that trade into into someone like upgrade into upgrading someone like uh, you know Nick Dacos or, or Nick Martin potentially. So um, there's a bit of a bit of an upside to be had there. Um, and then the other one who was very left field um, was uh, was Brad Crouch um, from the Saints. So obviously steel not not there for the next six to eight weeks they're going to need someone to step up in that in that midfield and take that center bounce role and and brad crouch looks like the uh the obvious one he had he's actually been really consistent for a guy who hasn't um sort of um broken the 500k barrier this year uh, he hasn't had a score below he's only had one score sorry below 96 for the year so far so the consistency is definitely there um and we saw on the weekend he's got a pretty big ceiling when he when he puts it all together but Probably my one concern is that he does have a tendency to butcher the footy a little bit. So, um, yeah, it would be for those who are really looking to be adventurous. But, um, yeah, he's not he's not the worst option either. Someone else you can consider from the Saints who might benefit from Steele's injury is um, Sinclair as well. So you can pick him um, as a mid. And if, you know, when the time comes, you can then flick him into defense if you, if you needed to. So just, an, uh, you know, another option for people out there. We are going to discuss a bit more about the Bulldogs later, but what about the two Bulldogs boys, Bontempelli and Bailey Smith? Nico, um, Bont- it hasn't been Bont's greatest start to the year. It looks like he's turning things around. Um, is he one to jump on early before his price starts skyrocketing? Yeah, yeah, potentially. If um, Once again, if it, if it suits your structure and, and your buy structure, he um, yeah, he's looking back to almost his best, like pretty, pretty powerful, um, still playing a, l- a little bit forward, I, I think, um, at the moment. But um, looking at his heat map, he, he still had quite a bit of ball on the wing and, and in the middle. So um, how many CBAs did he have? He had 14 CBAs, so yeah. not, not too bad. Um, so, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it looks like the role's there um, again for him. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to get this, you know, DPP status. I think a lot of people are, are pretty keen to see how that sort of um, develops over the next couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, I just... I think, unfortunately, we'll probably only be able to pick him as a bid, but I think he's a brilliant option. This next topic kind of flows on from this first one about Jack Steele, and it's it's based around the sideways trading of premiums. So um, in the last couple of weeks, our, the guys that we thought perhaps could be premium options, like the like, likes of Stephen Canelio, Dylan Moore in my case, uh, Zach Butters, Lockie Whitfield, these guys are starting to look less and less like genuine season-long keepers and more like guys that we're going to need to move on at some point. Bandit, what, is there a, is there a tipping point that you know when it's time to get rid of one of these guys? Yeah, look, I, I think that the buy rounds is the perfect time to take stock of these guys and and see what's happening with them. I think so, someone like Zach Butters is the perfect example. Um, you know, he's obviously had I think three or four scores in the fifties. So, you know, clearly someone like that is not going to be a, a premium um, option for you in the long run. So. Um, yeah, I think the buy rounds is, is really a good time to, to take stock. Um, but I think in terms of trading them out pre that, it probably depends on a couple of things. Firstly, how close you are to finishing your team. So if you've if you've somehow lucked out and started, you know, Gresham or you know Colonel or something like that, who's going really well on the forward line, and um, you know you can afford to to trade them without sort of um, losing too much performance from your team overall. Um, that's probably probably an option. And also, how many trades you have left. I know a lot of people have been boosting their way through the last month or so of the season. So it's fun. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You targeting me there, Bandit? 
Yeah, well, I've only got one left myself, so um, I think you and me are both in the same same boat there already. So, um, yeah, they're, they're probably the things that you need to factor in um, before trading. And I think with the GWS guys in particular, given their buy is in round 12, I think you can probably hold those two, um, you know, Cornelio and Whitfield till their buy. And then if you really want to move them on at that point, then you can probably pull the trigger then. Nico, what do you reckon? Are you carrying any of these guys? And, and what do you think about when the t- when the time is right to move them on? Yep, so look, I'm going to carry Butters. Um, I don't have Whitfield, but I'd probably be inclined just to hold him for another week just to see how his role potentially might change with with the new coach. So um, I'm definitely getting rid of Cogs. I don't think he's a, a primo. You know, we had that... We had that thought that he was gonna he was gonna be that person for us in the forward line, but unfortunately his um, CBA numbers are, are well well down uh, recently, and the role just doesn't look there at the break even of one forty six. I think it's time for him to go. Um, so I guess there are a few factors, like Bandit said. For me, opportunity is one factor. So um, how your team's looking if you've got bigger fires, you know, to put out elsewhere, um, that kind of thing. Um, trades, how many trades you've got. Um, the other thing is looking at break-evens and when they start bleeding cash, probably the time to, to pull the trigger. And the other one is the eye test and the role. Um, so someone, for instance, like Jordan Degoe, still has the role, gave away a, you know, a bad 50-meter penalty and a, and a goal, um, lost a lot of points for that, had 20 CBA. So his role's still there. He's just getting a little bit unlucky with his scoring. So yeah. with guys like that, you could probably hold. Um but yeah, someone like Dylan Moore, unfortunately, you'd probably just call it as a, a failed experiment uh, with a break-even of 163. Now, you, you don't want him um, to be absolutely bleeding all, all the cash that he's got in him. Um, at least now you can sideways him to, to someone in form who, unfortunately, he's not. You're hurting me, Nico. You're absolutely Sorry. hurting me. Um, another one I want to touch on, Bandit, and you had, I don't actually know if you still have him, but you had Luke Ryan for a large part of this season. Are you still carrying Ryan and, and what... Is his role in this uh, in the Bandit team going forward? Yeah, thanks for reminding me that I've still got him in my team. Um, yeah, yeah, I've still got him. Um, he's unfortunately he's just he's pretty much in that Whitfield bracket for me now, really, where he's just going to have to sit at D six or D five, and you know, really be a luxury trade. You know, later in the season, once I've once I've um, upgraded all the other rookies on my team. It's yeah, it's pretty much a classic case of, of Whitfield um, from earlier in the season. I managed to jump off Whitfield before he dropped any cash and, and brought Hewitt in, so that was probably the the best trade I've done for the year so far. But yeah, unfortunately, Ryan, he's just the role's just not there for him anymore. I don't think with um, with all these young guys that three I've got coming through, like Chapman and Young and and those sorts of guys, he's just um, yeah not finding as much as the ball as he has in um, in previous seasons. So um, yeah, that's a bit of a Bit of a cross for me there in terms of the starting team, but yeah, I'm just going to have to hold him until until later in the season. Nico, I think you made a really pertinent point before about uh, looking at the role that someone has versus perhaps the output, and I yep. think that Zach Butters probably falls into that category as well, where the role looks great. He's had a couple of he was sick a couple of weeks ago. He gives away yeah. free kicks against. He gets hurt every other game. He's always role, got that stupid like knock um, symbol next to him on fan footy. Constantly <laughs> so annoying. The, the concussed symbol. I hate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the role is there and, and the performances at some point are going to come. Uh, so I think yeah, Butters is be patient on. I think, yeah, Cornelio, uh, it's time to go if you can. Uh, Whitfield, I agree. It's worth waiting a little while to see what happens with this new coach. Um, but yeah, it's ultimately it's going to depend on where your team is at. The thing with Whitfield is you've already lost cash in him. So if you, you're selling low, you know, buying high and selling low, which you you don't want to do in any case, <laughs> you know, whether it's shares or 
whatever. So, please yeah, no. I think the, SC playbook, the SC playbook pod does not give financial <laughs> advice. Please no. no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think you just have to hold him and then hope that he can turn it around with a new coach. The other thing just to think about with Butters as well in in the case for holding him is that at the moment he's 16th um, for points overall in the in the forward line, um, but he's only about 50 points off being sort of eighth or ninth in that in that list. So he's only really sort of one big game, which we know he can produce. He's only one sort of big game off off breaking back into the top 10 forwards and and not being a total disaster of a pick. So, um, yeah, I think there's enough there to, to stick with him. Um, but, yeah, he needs to iron out those those 50s that he's thrown out in the, in the last month or, or so. Yeah, he just needs to clean up his disposal a little bit. 64% on the weekend. If that's closer to 80%, then, you know, he's going pretty big. Yeah, he's a he's one of those classic guys you watch and you just, you're just thinking to yourself, first option, mate, first option. Like, just give <laughs> yeah. the first one. It's... It looks so easy from the outside, but he, he seems to want to try and hit the miracle kick inside or balk yeah. three people and get around him. And yeah, he tries to put it on a dime in between three players or something. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it will clean up at some point. Um, the next big topic we've got, uh, Bandit, this was once you posited earlier today, um, and it's a really good one, and I really like it. Uh, it's team diversification. Um, is the broad idea for this topic. So what that basically means is um, I think we were pretty safe to say that teams generally start off fairly homogenous in Supercoach. There's, you know, there's 16 or so guys that everyone has and then six or seven guys that you, you can kind of go a bit rogue on. But we're reaching that point of the season where it's actually, uh, you can actually start taking risks and getting guys in that others don't have, you know, sub 5% ownership. I think Rory Laird's still at 5% ownership, for example. Um, you're getting these point of different guys in. Um, and I think it's a, uh, a really, really good chance for people to start climbing the rankings. So I put it to you guys that I wanted you to find sort of one point of difference in each line that we can have a look at. Um, Nick, I'm going to throw to you first and I'm going to put you on the spot with a defender. Um, mm-hmm. Who's a defensive point of difference that, that you like and that you're sort of weighing up for that D5, D6 position in your team? I like Zorko here at 540k. So a three-round average of 115 and he's only in 4% of teams. Uh, looks like he's playing a bit more midfield. Um, as well with um, with Kitty uh, Coleman coming into the side. Um, so I think his role is pretty good. And um, I think, you know, if you can look past um, the injury risk, I think he's a, he's a pretty good pick um, and should help you climb the ranks. The other one I just want to make a special mention to is Aaron Hall, who might be back Whoa, uh, this week, only know. in 2% of teams. No. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. For those who like to play a bit risky, I think. You yeah. absolutely love Aaron Hall. <laughs> he's a. Points per minute machine. Yuck. Bandit, yuck. is there anyone uh, Nico hasn't mentioned in the defensive line that uh, you like the look of? No, well, yuck is all I'll say to, to Aaron Hall. That <laughs> does not interest me one little bit. Um, in terms of defenders, um, I'm still really keen on Bailey Dale. I think he's a really, really good player. I, I really like watching him play. Um, he's still in under 4% of teams. Sits fifth um, for total points scored in the defensive line overall so far this season ahead of guys like uh, Jack Chris. Dawson, Stewart, uh, Daniel Rich as well. So, um, yeah, the the fact that he's in a team that is a glutton for super coach points doesn't seem to affect him too much. He's averaging 105 for the year so far. So, um, yeah, 550K, I think that's still pretty good shopping for a guy that's in the in the top five for total points um, in defense. So he's um, he's one that I'd be grabbing if, um, if you do need a point of difference there. I love watching him stream out of the back line. Uh, I think he's a fantastic footballer. It's uh, yeah, it's strange to he he came from sort of nothing. I remember watching him a few years ago, thinking he looked like a headless chook running, running around, but he's suddenly become this all Australian calibre running yeah, defender. Forward, turn back, and his kick is just elite. It is yeah, it certainly is. a laser kick. 
Nico, what about in the mids? Um, what sort of guys are you looking at in the mids? Um, I'm assuming you, you seem to like a little POD in the mids. Uh, we've been talking about a few already. Uh, who do you like uh, in that line? Yeah, look, we've already discussed this guy um, a little bit. I've got Josh Kelly down at 580k with a three-round average of 131 and in 7% of teams. So I think um, he's that you know high-risk, high-reward uh, kind of pick. So yeah, I've got him there. Fantastic. Uh, Bandit, what about you? Yeah, another guy who's in less than 4% of teams, um, Sammy Walsh. Had a bit mm, of a, an interrupted start to the year, obviously, with, with that ankle concern. But, um, yeah, pumped out of 149 on the weekend and looks to be um, turning the corner and getting back to his best form, which is great news for Carlton. So, um, yeah, he's pretty pricey at just over 600K. But, you know, we've seen in previous years what a what a great super coach player he is. So if he can get back to the form that he showed last year, um, absolutely no reason why he couldn't um, be one of the top averaging midfielders from from here on in. The thing still only had you... seven CBAs, sorry, on the weekend, so pretty low numbers still, but yeah, massive <laughs> scoring. The thing with Walsh, and I, I'm very guilty of this sometimes, is I think it's human nature in Supercoach to not want to have two players from the same li- from the same team in the same line. So because everyone has Paddy Cripps, I think that means that people don't want Sam Walsh, even though in theory he could fit your buy structure just as well as another option. Um, so I'm definitely guilty of that. I've, I was guilty of it with Petrarca earlier in this year as well. Just seeing him and Oliver in the same midline just makes you a bit queasy. But there really is no reason for it. I, I agree. Sam Walsh is is drastically under owned. I mean, how can how can he possibly be in that that little amount of teams given what form he's in at the moment? Yeah, I think it was I think it was just that injury that he had at the start of the season, which would have turned a lot of people off. And then he's still quite pricey as well. He hasn't really had a big. Um, price drop to this to this point in time, and that one forty nine's um, not going to change that. So yeah, I think there's a few reasons why he's not as owned this year, and it's probably the same for Rory Laird as well. If he hadn't missed the first month of the season with that broken hand, he would have started in in maybe twenty or thirty percent of teams. I think the ruck line is pretty well set in terms of what people have, so we won't spend too much time on that. Uh, Nico, what about in the forwards? Uh, who is someone that you've got your eye on there? Dustin Martin at five hundred and nine k. So, yeah, 7% of teams still will have either brought him in this week or held on to him. Maybe they're, um, they're ghost ships, I'm not sure. But um, obviously it's quite space, but three-round average of 103. The thing I like about Dusty, he seems to have come back, obviously, pretty well. Um, seems seems well within himself, hungry. Um, and the fixture run for the Tigers just looks really, really good to me. So... Um, they play Essendon twice. Sorry, Eddie, but that's a, that's a positive. Yeah, that's fair. West Coast, Gold Coast, North Melbourne, and they play Hawthorne again, who who just scored a one one nineteen against. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of liking that that run home and and the potential for Dusty. Even though you know I personally have been burnt from him um, a number of times. Um, maybe some people will will stay away just because of that. Um, but yeah, I think he's a decent shout. The worry is he's got the round 12 buy, um, which yeah. is probably going to turn a few people off. But post buy, I think he's going to be one yep. of the most, most popular trade-in options in the game, I would have thought. Uh, Bandit, forwards, who's your point of difference target? Yeah, one guy who didn't start the year forward um, but got DPP at round six because um, David Noble just thought it was smart to park him in the goal square was um, Todd Goldstein. Um, mm. He's pretty much... Um, he's sitting 14th for points overall at the moment with an average of 89. And let's be honest, like he hasn't really shown much in the first part of the season. It's only been the last few weeks with um, with Sherry out of the team that he's actually gone back to being the full-time ruck and, and Coleman Jones has taken up that, that forward role. But his three-round average is 123, which is, you know, a, 
a statistic that we're not um, um, that we're sort of used to seeing Goldie achieve, I guess. So um, yeah, he's not the not the worst option out there. I don't think if he can maintain that number one ruck role, even if um, if Sherry becomes available in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, no reason why he couldn't provide some some good ruck um, cover for you in in the forward line. Agreed, and he's the proponent of one of my least favourite super coach stats, which is the hit out to advantage. Uh, on the weekend against Port, he had seventy three fantasy points, one hundred and three super coach, and that was all thanks to twenty five hit outs. So wow. um, that's pretty good going. Um, I'm not sure if you've got his fixture handy, Bandit. I'm just trying to get it up as we speak. Um, he's he plays uh, Max Gorn this Max week, Gorn, yeah. Jackson, so this will be a, a tough week coming up. Um, but in terms of beyond that, they play St Kilda the week after and then Gold Coast, so pretty pretty horror draw in terms mm. of in terms of Ruckman. He'll play Gorn and Jackson yeah. this week, Ryder and um, Marshall the week after, and then um, into Wits. So tough ask for uh, for Goldie, but um, yeah, if there's anyone up to it, he, he certainly is. I really like it. Um, now, probably to the most important uh important topic for this week outside of Jack Steele, um, it's downgrade options. Now, everyone's in need of a bit of cash. Uh, we're getting to the point where you're making sort of your third or fourth final upgrade. Um, we're in dire need of cash. Nico, um, this has got to go straight to you because you've clearly been thinking about it all day. You were throwing a few options around earlier. Um, you need to downgrade this week, I'm guessing. Um, who is on the radar? Yeah, look, I need a bit of bank, um, obviously, to, to try and bring a couple more primos in. Look, it's looking very grim if you've gone early on Clark, which I have done. Um, so I think you've, you know, another win for you there, Eddie. You've done the right move by bringing Carol in and then waiting another week. Um, so it's an easy call for you this week. I think um, Buku Kamas, I think his job security should be all right for the next sort of five or six weeks uh, with Bruce still out. Um, he went at 50% disposal efficiency. Sorry, he had like three or four touches up the ground. Um, kick three goals, yes, and and um, what did he score on the weekend? Was it a sixty odd or something? So sixty six, sixty six he got. So okay. yeah, look, not not ideal with three goals. I think Bandit, you mentioned that that one of those was at the death and probably didn't get too many points um, for it because the the game was already one and one. Um, but yeah, look, there's not really many other options um, to be honest, and I think I'm just going to have to flick McCartan into my forward line and and bring in um, Buku. Is there anyone we're missing there, Bandit? Anyone that we should be talking about? Um, yeah, there's one that stands out, and that's Greg Clark for those who don't have him. So I don't have him at the moment. I'll be bringing him in this week. He's um, he's an absolute must-have um, if you don't have him already. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty few and far between outside of that. Rory Thompson from the Gold Coast could be a warm body for you in defense if you need one, but um, I don't think he's someone you can play on field or you know rely on making a lot of cash. Um, in the long run, he's probably, you know, Simon Prestigiacomo from, from years gone by in Supercoach someone, <laughs> or Nathan Brown in, in defence, um, someone who would just play week in, week out and score, you know, 30s and 40s, but not really not really do much outside of that. Um, and Jackson Haley from the Crows as well is someone that we were sort of discussing in our, in our group chat um, yep. earlier today, but he's already had a price rise. He's at 240K, so, you know, it's a bit of a risky price. It's a bit of a risky play with Matt Crouch sitting in the twos. Um, they could easily make a switch there at, at some point, and you'd be stuck with um, you know someone in the mid two hundreds, um, which is which is not ideal. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe one for draft. Bandit, but yeah, what was that? Sorry, maybe one for draft if you can get him off the free agency yeah, or something. But... Yeah, yeah, if you need a if you need a bench option in draft, mm. he's he's not a he's not a bad one, but um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a risky one there. But yeah, outside of that, it's um, yeah, it's um, 
Tumbleweeds. In in case you needed any reason not to go Rory Thompson, let me read you his last five full-year averages. Uh, 58, 47, 55, 59, 48, and he's averaging 44 this year. So um, I probably yep. wouldn't be doing that if you have any possible way to avoid it. Um, Spoil points. I think that's all you're getting. <laughs> exactly. Um, the Jackson Hately one is really interesting because I've been fully on board the Hately train for a while, um, particularly when he got traded to the Crows. Uh, Bandit, you were the one that brought this up in our chat today. What did you see out of that game on the weekend that makes you think he's an option, even though he's gone up uh, already gone up 40k from his starting price, which was 200. I think he's up at 240 now. Yeah, it was pretty much slotted into the role that Matt Crouch was was playing. So he had 60% um, CBAs on on the weekend against Brisbane. So they're clearly trying to fit him into that role and to see what he can do. Um, you know, he's been on the Adelaide list for a, a couple of years now and, you know, he sort of crossed over as the, the GWS player who was starved of opportunity and... Um, you know, would break out with with more chances at Adelaide, but he just for whatever reason hasn't been able to come on. So, um, you know, you you get the sense that he's probably playing for his for his career a little bit. Um, not to sort of you know write him off too much, but you know he has been around for a little while now and just hasn't quite made it at the top level. So um, yeah, you feel like this is probably his last crack at it. Um, and he certainly gave a good account of himself on the weekend against Brisbane. I think he had twenty seven or twenty six disposals or something like that, and and played a pretty solid game in a, in a losing team. So, um, yeah, I think there's every reason um, for the Crows to stick with him for the next couple of weeks. One last one I'm going to throw on the radar. Um, it would be incredibly ballsy, but Luke Cleary scored a 61 on the weekend for the Bulldogs in his first game. He's defence eligible. Uh, Nico, is that one that would possibly cross your mind as a Sam DeConing or a Nathan O'Driscoll or a McCartan downgrade? No, nah, I wouldn't be getting rid of De Koning, just first point. Um, he's still got a low break even. No, nah, I don't think there's any reason to go early on him. Yeah. Um, so you got a 60 on the weekend. It's not like you got, you know, 100 and looked insanely good like Greg Clark did. So, um, yeah, just wait another week. Um, in terms of who you're going to upgrade to is our next big topic. Um, we've gone from downgrades straight to upgrades. Um, who is ready to go out of the mids, the, uh, out of, sorry, the rookies that we started with? There are a few that are starting to approach their break-ins. We touch on them a bit every week. Uh, Nico, you're obviously looking to upgrade this week. Who Who is in the gun for you? Yeah, so I've got Nick Dacos uh, in the barrel. So break-even of 75 Scored a 69 on the weekend. Probably safe to say um, he's going to maybe start just dropping or, or he's at his peak price. Uh, I've also looking at Nick Martin. Um, unfortunately, I think he's yeah probably at his peak as well. Break even of 86, um, projected 85. No harm in, in holding him another week, uh, but I'm just going to try and use that 400K value in him to try and, try and get him up. Um, and Cogs is 100% the sell uh, in my book. Yeah, with a, a break even of one four six and um, no midfield time, coming off of thirty seven. Yeah, he's definitely going for me. Bandit, who's in the gun for you? Yeah, I cashed out on on Cogs last week, so um, that was probably another another tick for my um, sporadic trading successes over the course of this year so far. But uh, yeah, so he's he's not an option for me. Um, yeah, Dacos, like you said, Nico looks like he's he's maxed out. Um, I don't reckon he'll lose too much cash between now and his buy. So you know he could easily hold um, for another sort of three yeah. or four weeks, provided he continues to play. 
I know there's been some whispers in, in previous weeks that he might be be rested or managed. Um, and I think he had the flu at one point as well. So, um, yeah, as long as he keeps playing, I think you can you can stick with him until the buyers. Um, yeah, Nick Martin is, again, another one who you could, who you could potentially trade out if you really need to. But, again, um, he's potentially safe hold as well. I think um, Jack Caldwell busted up his shoulder um, on mm. Saturday night against Sydney. So um, there might be some more mid-time for, uh, for Martin potentially on the back of that. Um, outside of that, McCartan and Sam DeConey, I think you can probably hold until they're buyers. They've got more cash to make. Um, and the Hawthorne rookies as well, Ward and McDonald, I think you can trade both of those guys as well. You won't get as much cash for them as you would trading a, a Dacos or a Martin or a Canelio. But, um, yeah, Ward's obviously out of the team now. Um, McDonald just doesn't have the, the scoring capacity. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking to move McDonald on this week myself. I don't think Ward played too well either in the no. Magoos from what I saw. So but I was going to say, I think he had seven mm. touches in the Magoos. So um, not I mean, sure. He might have got concussed, I think, maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. In any case, not going to be making any cash anytime soon. Um, so that's probably one to get rid of. Um, that's some good analysis, boys. Uh, last little topic, um, which we're going to go to. It's uh, just a short one. Uh, it was sent in actually by a couple of people. How many Bulldogs is too, bull- too many Bulldogs to have in your team? Because I was looking at it today. And four of the top nine forwards for season averages are Bulldogs players. Tim English, Dunkley, Libba, Trelaw. Plus, you've got McRae, Bontempelli, Bailey Smith, all relevant in the midfield. And then, as you brought up before, Bandit, who I hadn't even considered, Bailey Dale in defence as well. So how many dogs is too many dogs, Bandit? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? They they do love hoovering up um, super coach points. doesn't really seem to matter who they play. They just seem to, to rack them up week in, week out. But... As a general rule of thumb, I don't like having any more than three primos from a certain team in, in my side. Um, I think if you have any more than that, you start putting too many eggs in one basket and inevitably there'll be one or two that sort of drop a you know a sub-90 score because there'll be a couple of other guys that take more points than what they, than what they usually would. Um, for the Bulldogs, you can maybe stretch that rule to four players, um, but I think five is where it potentially becomes too unbalanced for me. So... Um, my top picks would be McRae, Dunkley, one of Smith or Bont, and probably Dale as well, just so you can spread that risk across you know multiple lines. So you have you know a couple in your mids, one forward, and and one back potentially. Um, you know rather than having like Dunkley, English, Libba, and Trelaw all up forward, I think that's just too much risk in in one part of the yeah. ground. So um, yeah, I think four at most is probably where I'd draw the line. I think if you get any more than that, you start putting a bit of risk on, you know, one of them chucking in a 70 or an 80 while someone else um, gets gets those points. So that's probably where I sit with it. Yeah, I think the the key point you made there, Ben, it was the, uh, that you're going to miss out on someone in, in this instance because there are too many dogs. And I think the way I generally look at it is like the old, hand, the old handcuff when you're drafting players in a draft league. So if you can get the two players and you know one of the two is going to go nuts, even if the other two doesn't do, the other one doesn't do that well, I think that works. So, for example, I see Oliver and Petrarca as a really good handcuff because you know one of the, one or the other is going to go big. It's going to be one of the two. They might both do it, um, but you're not really going to miss out. You're not really threatened by a Jack Viney or a Brayshaw or anything scoring hi- highly. It's going to be one of those two. Nico, is that is that where you sort of land as well? Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy um, to use. Yep. So I've got Oliver and Petrarca, probably like most people out there, but. Talking, uh, talking dogs. I think buy structure is um, important here again. Um, so I mean, if you're really struggling, um, you know, for for players um, in that 
Bulldogs buy, you probably try to avoid bringing bringing another one in. But um, I think for me, probably don't want to have too many on the one line, as we sort of mentioned earlier. Um, the big thing for me is you just never know with COVID and you know these these protocols that you know a bug could could go through, and you know you could have two or three Bulldogs out and potentially all be you know stars, and then there's just that one week where. You're in dire trouble. So I know it's a small chance, but you just you just never know. And I think flexibility is important as well. Maybe if you do pick another dog, just make sure that you've got you know the swing into the middle if you if you get a liber or something in the forward line and or whatever it might be. Excellent. Thanks for that, boys. That's all the big topics we've got for this week. Now, if you're out there and you like a punt, um, we recommend checking out topsport.com.au, home of the best same game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. And every week this season, we preview a couple of their markets, send you a few tips out via the podcast. Um, so if you use the code SC Playbook in when you're linking up your account, uh, that would help out the podcast immensely. That's the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Uh, boys, every week I set you guys the task to find me some value out of the markets that are up on Top Sport when we record. Um, I managed to get up last weekend, which I'm very, very stoked about. The, uh, the Saints as outsiders under the lead against Geelong felt good the whole way. So I was all over that um, at $2.12 odds. Nico, what have you got for me this week? I was hoping we were going to skip this segment because um, I didn't get another winner. So, yeah, obviously, um, gamble responsibly and don't listen to what I'm about to say. So, my play of the week, I'm going to go the power plus 20.5. I think, yeah, I think the cats are a little bit flaky um, and maybe, I don't know, a little bit old. Frio, you know, touched them up at home last time out. Um, yeah, I think the power in four might get Dixon back. Um you know, in the forward line, pretty happy to play plus 20.5 there. I'm just going to go the dog straight out uh, to win and Frio straight out to win. And I'm going to use my top-up token, uh, Eddie, to go uh, to $3.64. <laughs> Beautiful, Nico. I love the sound of that. FYI, I saw, um, uh, saw Dixon at the airport earlier this week and he was moving around quite well. So there's some insider info for mm. you. He's pretty close to coming back in. Bandit, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so I've uh, put together a couple of um, couple of multis for those who, who like playing in this space. So Excellent. the first one is is three team legs. Um, I've Gold Coast to cover the line against the Bulldogs in in Ballarat, especially with um, with no Tim English again um, this week. I think the Suns at the line of uh, sixteen and a half looks looks like a reasonable play. They're going fairly well at the moment, so I reckon they can um, can cover that line. Uh, I'll take Richmond. Uh, at the line of 24.5 in the Dreamtime game against Essendon, who, let's be honest, sorry, Eddie, they just looked woeful on, on Saturday. Yeah. I just cannot see where their next win is is coming from, unfortunately. So it could, no, be, um, no. could be a long night at the MCG for uh, for Bombers fans on, on Saturday. So I'll take Richmond at the line there. Um, and then as a bit of a um, top-up um, leg, I'll take Brisbane to, to beat Hawthorne in, uh, in yeah. Launceston this week. Um, Hawthorne have just tapered right off. Um, from their early season form. So the way Brisbane are going at the moment, I don't think they should have any trouble um, dispatching them in, in Tassie. Um, that multi will get you about $4.50 on, on top sport at the moment. So Love it. it's like a, a good place. I'll have five units on, on that one. Um, and the second multi, I don't have odds for yet because the markets aren't <laughs> up. Um, but this is one for for later in the, in the week. So I'll take Buddy Franklin to kick two or more goals against Carlton. Yep. Jesse Cameron to kick two or more against Port Adelaide and yep. Tom Lynch to kick three or more against Essendon. I, I love that. I'll have five units on that one as well, please, Eddie. I absolutely love that, Bandit. I reckon we're going to get in touch with Top Sport and see if they can make that a special market for, it this, for us this week. 
That's some good squishy right there. I am going. I like the. I've I've been scared off by going the big odds, um, guys. I'm going to have to stay with these two dollar little multis. I'm going to go Sydney outright um, at a dollar ninety five against the Blues. It's actually come in since I looked at it. They're at a dollar eighty now, but um, we'll say I got them at a dollar ninety five. And then Brisbane, as you said, Bandit, just a little uh, multi builder there. Uh, they'll definitely take care of the Hawks. Um, it's paying a dollar twenty nine. So that multi. All up is at two dollars thirty nine. I'm going to have all my ten units on that. Um, thanks for that, boys. That's uh, got, just, got to be some. Sorry, Eddie, just before we move on, I just want to um, touch on the dogs uh, because Bandit mentioned him uh, in his bets. I don't think Tim English is completely ruled out, so I think he was back at the club today. So still an outside chance to come in. The other one is Aaron Norton is um, in quite a bit of doubt with his knee, so um, I think their forward line struggling uh, already. So maybe they're going to struggle to kick a winning score again. So you bet I'll be looking right there. I love it, Nico. What about in terms of what you're doing with your team this week? We've chatted a little bit about it. Um, what trades have you got locked in at the moment? Yeah, so I've got um, yeah the three guys I mentioned earlier all out. Nick Dacos, Nick Martin, Stephen Cornelio, um, and I'm bringing in Buku Kamis, Jordan Dawson, and Tom Liberatore at this point. So... Very nice. Um, pretty pretty like tight it. with the funds there. I only got two k left over, but yeah, I'm pretty happy by bringing in, you know, two proper premiums and and getting rid of you know three mid prices there. You are living on the edge, Nico. Zero zero dollars left over last <laughs> week and three k left over this week. He's the the man yeah. knows his maths. <laughs> <laughs> Just what about lucky, you? I think. <laughs> what about you, Bandit? What are you looking at? Uh, yeah, so I've I've got Jack Steele, unfortunately, so he's uh, going to have to make way, and, and Connor McDonald's probably on the way out as well. Um, just hasn't really lived up to the um, the hopes I had for him at the start of the season. So those guys will make way, um, most likely to to Rory Laird and, and Greg Clark, um, who's on the bubble this week. They're they're pretty straightforward trades. Um, the other trade I'm tossing up is uh, using my last boost. Um, I could either go. Nick Dacos to Sam Doherty and complete my defence, albeit with with Luke Ryan at, at D6, so a bit of a, a quasi-primo um, at D6 for the time being. Uh, or I could trade Nick Martin to a, a midfield primo, um, pretty much of, of my choosing. So, uh, yeah, there's a little bit to, to think about there. I'd be all boosted out, but, um, yeah, obviously just getting those primos in is, um, is pretty important at the moment. I agree. I'm thinking similar to you, Bandit. I think Dylan Stevens down to Greg Clark is a no-brainer. Um, I think Jack Steele up to Rory Laird is uh, is probably a no-brainer. And then the last trade, uh, which I think I'm probably going to boost using my second last boost, is uh, O'Driscoll to Dawson. Um, I like the fact that the Crows don't have that round 12 buy. Uh, so bringing in two Crowies feels good, helps my structure, gets me to 13 primos in round 12 playing, which uh, feels pretty good. Nico, that's around the mark of what you would normally yep. want around those buys. So that feels good to me. What about... Captain and vice-captain options, Bandit. Where are you leaning this week for your captaincy armbands? Yeah, pretty much might be heading the same way that I did last week. So, McRae VC against the Suns in Ballarat. He obviously loves playing there. So, that looks like a pretty pretty safe play. Um, and then Lockie Neal against the Hawks, who, let's be honest, have probably the worst midfield in the AFL at the moment. And that's saying something when you compare them to the likes of North Melbourne and, and West Coast. They just give up clearances and contested possession for... For fun, so uh, yeah, Neil looks like a pretty pretty safe bet to go one thirty plus on uh, on Sunday. Agreed, Nico. What about you? Yeah, I agree with um, with McRae. So last three scores against the Gold Coast: uh, one forty six, one twenty four, one sixty nine, and averages one hundred and thirty five against him, which is pretty big numbers. So happy to to go his way and hopefully hit a one thirty and just. 
bank that. Um, Oliver C, um, kind of hoping he bounces back, um, has a, um, a high score of 170. Uh, I think they're playing the Kangas this week. Um, and 112.6 average. So, yeah, if McRae fails, we'll go Oliver C. Same, um, you know, same duo as last week. I think I'm going to go a bit rogue this week, boys. I've, at the mm. moment, I've got Callum Mills as the VC on Friday night against Carlton. And then I think I'm going to roll that over into Jared Witts against the Bulldogs on Saturday Arvo. Uh, Don't against mind it. A potentially hampered Tim English and or Jordan Sweet or one of those boys. So mm-hmm. that feels pretty tidy to me. Um, the, the Mills VC on Friday night could go massive. And then, yeah, Witsy's in some good form. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that. We'll see if I go through with it. McRae, you've made a very good uh, case for McRae there, Nico. Um, if you want to hear more about our captain options and discussing trades and whatnot, um, we do all of that in our free WhatsApp group for um, SC Playbook subscribers. So sign up to SC Playbook for $30. It gets you our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season. That includes that uh, entry into the WhatsApp group. Uh, $40 gets you the full package covering AFL, NRL, BBL. You get access to stacks of extra articles every week, um, as well as, yeah, that WhatsApp group, which I think is a real highlight. We've got plenty of guys in there contributing, discussing, bouncing ideas off each other. Uh, it's really good stuff. If you're not interested in paying any money for it, don't worry. We've got stacks of free content on the site as well. And it's all going up in our socials at scplaybook.com.au and our Insta, Facebook, Twitter socials at scplaybookafl. Now, every week um, on a Monday, on a Sunday night, we put up a few questions for the listeners to to get around. We've had a couple of really good ones come in so far. We've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, so we won't spend too much time on it. But, Bandit, what do you think um, Nick B has asked? What do we do with GWS players in general? And I think it's a good question because a lot of us have a few of them floating around um, and it is a good time to discuss them broadly given the change in coaching. Yeah, it is it is a good time. So, yeah, we obviously did touch on it a little bit earlier in the pod. But, um, yeah, I think it's actually sort of – it's actually worked out reasonably well given that their buy is three weeks away. Um, we'll be able to see what Mark McVeigh does with that team. We'll have a good sample size of, you know, new coach data, um, so to speak, um, that we can call on once they get to their buy. So um, for guys like Cornelio Whitfield, Josh Kelly, um, Tim Taranto is another one. Um Isaac Cumming as well, um, you know, these sorts of guys. Um, you know, you can, if you've got a Whitfield or Cornelia, you can hold for three weeks and see what their role um, happens to be in the next um, in the next two to three weeks and, and make a call at the buy. So I think that's probably the way I'd, I'd attack it. One thing that I like to think about with when new coaches come in is what their motivations are. And I think given it's this early in the season for a coaching change, I think if you, if you mark, if you're Jared McVeigh, uh, you're coming in. Co- you're coming in thinking that um, you're going to be. You're coaching for potentially your career, right? You might have a chance to to take this team over. You might want to chuck some experienced guys back in the mix, right? You might want to get Cogs back in the midfield. You might want to get Whitfield back up the ground and on a wing. Um, you're kind of thinking about your short-term coaching prospects rather than Leon Cameron, who's thinking longer term and thinking I've got to play these guys through the midfield. Um, am I crazy there, Nico? Uh, no, no, I think you're. I think you're right there, mate. I just sorry, I got a bit distracted by my um, my little two year old girl banging on the uh, on the door trying to get in. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Just GWS guys. First of all, we're keeping Proust, so don't forget about him. <laughs> um, but yeah, selling Cogs, I think holding Whitfield. Yeah, we've already touched on it. I think that's what we're doing. Uh, very good, boys. Uh, last question comes through from Braden Chang. Um, how many trades should we be aiming to have for the buyers? Nico, it's quite a broad question. I'm going to assume we'll, t- we'll take it to mean how many trades should you have left after the buys? After, yeah. Yep, I read that um, that way as well. So, oh, it's tricky. There's nine rounds um, after the 
um, the buy rounds are, are concluded. So I'm kind of thinking you want to be in that sort of eight range, maybe, and or even six to eight with a with a full you know a full team, a full premium team, and then you're um you're doing luxury trades there and and, and side waiting side hazing and and you know trading injured players only. So um, I reckon that's pretty good. Looking at my trades left, I've got 16 left and I'm probably going to use, yeah, look, I don't know. <laughs> I reckon six to eight. If you can sort of get there, yeah. um, I think you're doing all right. Let's work backwards a little bit from there as well, Bandit. So if you have six to eight left after the buys, are you going to be wanting to trade, use all three trades, all three weeks of the buys? Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking at the moment. Yeah, so I, I usually budget for nine trades through the buys, so three three trades a week. Um, if you've got any boosts left over, you probably want to use those in the buys as well. So you might want to budget for um, one or two more on on the back of that as well. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with Nico. Anywhere from sort of six to ten trades um, after the buys would would be ideal. Um, but it obviously depends on you know how many trades you have to pull for injury or or form or things like that. So. Um, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Anywhere from sort of six to ten trades post post buys is um, is ideal. So if we work backwards one more step, that means that you probably want to be having somewhere between fifteen and eighteen trades going into the buys, which then gives you five trades over the buys, which then gives you six to eight at the end of the buys. Is that am I reading that correctly? Yeah. So I'll have if I use three trades this week, I'll have sixteen left for the year, um, which is probably a little bit. A little bit skinnier than what I would like, but that's probably my own fault. So, yeah, I'll probably sit on my team for the next two to three weeks after this and just get ready to, to burn through nine in, in three weeks on in the buys. Excellent. I love it, boys. One last thing before we go. Uh, Nico, you mentioned this might be a good idea. It might uh, help sort of center us in terms of where, where our teams are at currently. You wanted to hear what our projected scores were for this week post-trades. Uh, so yep. I'm going to throw to you first, Nico. What's uh, what is the super coach god in the sky telling you you're going to score this week? Uh, hopefully he's a, a bit more accurate this week. Um, but yeah, 24.77 I projected after um, my three trades. Very nice, Bandit. What about you? Jeez, Jeez I'd love to have your team, Nico. Uh, mine's <laughs> two four one six, so a little bit lower, but yeah, still over the 2400 mark. But yeah, I'll believe it when I say it. I'm at 2491, which is uh, feeling pretty optimistic. So, um, that's probably the best point we're ever going to leave this podcast at. I'm feeling great, boys. Thanks for pumping my tyres. Uh, Nico, thanks for your time this week. Uh, say hello to your little daughter for us. Oh, well, yeah, she's cracked it. <laughs> I better go help and, out. And Bandit, thank you very much for your time. I'll see you next week. Oh, pleasure, boys. Thanks, lads.